heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Another week presents uh, more new opportunities. Um, Episode 47 here, week 14 of the NFL season, kicks off tomorrow night. Hopefully, you know what, this will be the first time in a couple weeks where it's a normal Thursday, Sunday, Monday. Even though I did like seeing Tuesday Night Football, it felt weird, but it also, too, felt really good. And my buddy Matt is back with me. If you don't remember, he was on the episode uh, a couple weeks ago, actually, where him and I talked right after the Patriots-Texans game. We talked about some other stuff. But Matt and I are here to do a full Week 14 prediction slate. And uh, how are we doing today, Matt? Doing well, man. Doing well. Can't complain. How's everything over there? You doing good, Griff? Yep, yep. Everything's good. Everything's good. Just here, excited to talk football and uh, take a look at these games. But before we talk about this week, I just want to look at last night's game quickly because I last recorded on Monday during Buffalo, San Francisco. And I don't have a lot to say about last night. It's just that... Jesus Christ, that Dallas Cowboy defense is really bad. Because, like, the offense is fine. Like, the offense is, like, yeah. it's like it's okay. But, man, that yeah. defense was just terrible. You know, I was watching the game, too, and uh, I was obviously messaging you in between. I really don't know what to take from that game if, you know, I feel like it's a, a, it's a bit of, of both here. Like, I was watching it, and there was times where I'm just like, you know, the Ravens just don't look that good. They really don't. And then there was also times where it's just like, Yep, the Cowboys are just really that bad. I mean, those missed field goals, those three straight missed field goals really hurt the Cowboys in the end of things, if you kind of try and put it into perspective, at least in my opinion. Like, if if he hits that field goal at the end of the half, they go down by one yeah. into the half, right, as opposed to four. And then, you know, there's another missed field goal. It felt like the first half of the game up until, like, I guess, I don't know, early, mid, third quarter. The defense was kind of holding its own enough to where the Cowboys still had a chance to get in the game and possibly take the lead, right? But one missed field goal, two missed field goals, you know, nine points off the board right there, and then eventually the Ravens were able to score and the, the defense couldn't stop them, and, you know, the rest is history, right? So that was pretty much what I took out of it, and, you know, I really don't know what's going to happen going forward with, uh, you know, Dallas going into like next year uh, with all the players they have to pay on offense and whatnot and how that's going to work. But uh, especially with all their defensive struggles, but I don't know, man, it's going to be interesting. We'll see what happens. The big thing, my takeaway from what ball, not ball, the whole game last night, just with both teams, like look, Baltimore rushed for 300 yards. Everyone's saying like, Oh, they're back. Like that was a get right game. I'm like, like that's not a get right game. That's just taking advantage of a good opportunity where, you know what, you're playing a weaker defense. You saw, like, look, if Antonio Gibson can run wild and get three touchdowns against you, no knock against him. I'm just saying for a team who's much better at rushing the ball, like Baltimore, Lamar Jackson, and having a healthy offense, it was easy to do. Because even there was a one run he had on fourth down where they decided to play three high, the three, not they didn't decide to play their cornerbacks high, they decided to play them low to avoid the run. But then in that one moment in time, Lamar saw the holes and right away just took off. So it was just like literally... You know how they see all the time, they like point out where the quarterback's going to go, and then they have like the box in the middle of the screen where it's like, he's going right here? That's what he did. It was yeah. it was literally complimentary football on their part. 
And I also hate Joe Buck last night because they were like, oh, Tucker's made 70 in a row since 2016 within, I think, 40 yards. And he misses. Like, it could have been 71. They do it all the time. Like, I remember Super Bowl 53, they did it Goskowski, where they're like, oh, he's made 30 in a row this season. And then he missed. Like, And then he missed, I know. The, I know. the commentator's yeah. curse. It's a real thing, I guess. We can uh, prove it now, right? Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. I think, you know... I wouldn't go as far as saying the Ravens are back, but this could definitely be a game that kind of gets them back on track, right? Like like you said, take advantage of a weaker team, get the confidence going, and then try and build on that going forward for the end of the season with the last you know four games, right? Because three of their last – well, I would say two of their last four are incredibly easy, almost guaranteed wins against Jacksonville and Cincinnati. So this team right now is 7-5. and five. I think the worst-case scenario, they go is 9-7. and seven. So – it's going to be a very interesting stretch to the finish just because we'll get into their, they're actually the last game on the docket this week. They're the last game on the docket this coming week, too. Um, the only other thing i got to say about Dallas for next year, too, is just we know offensively what they're capable of. And if they can keep in a healthy offensive line, who knows what the quarterback situation is. Everyone assumes Dak will be back, but what if Dak says, no, I don't want to sign a franchise. I want a long-term deal, and they don't offer it to him. So... There's a lot of questions to be asked about this Cowboys franchise, not just for the remainder of this year, but going forward. Yeah, there's a lot of talk. And like like you said, even if they wanted to bring Dak back, I'm really interested to see if they will or what's going to happen because of the whole salary cap issue. Like, yeah. you got Zeke. Next year, Zeke's going to make $13.5 million, I believe. Amari Cooper's getting $22 million. Dak obviously wants his thirty-seven and change right so those are a lot of guys to pay and then on top of that you got some guys on defense that are getting you know in the double digits as well so there was definitely talk about the i was actually watching fox uh the other day and they were saying the cowboys could potentially draft somebody yeah and you know obviously he's on the cheap right the rookie contract or um they're saying to trade down, like give up their first round pick and acquire a bunch of picks in the second and third round and go from there. But Jerry Jones does have an ego. I'm not sure if that's the route he's going to take. Right. But, you know, we'll see what happens if, if it's going to be interesting, man. But when I look at this division and the teams in it, the two teams that are set to make runs going forward and be successful in my eyes are the Giants and the Red and, and Washington. Because they're, I'm seeing them get better and better when I watch them every single week, right? Like, the Giants just came off a big win against Seattle, right? Um, in terms of money, they have it. Like, they're not all, there's not too many guys getting big, big contracts on the team, right? No. So, you know, Dallas and Philly are in a, in a situation where they got a quarterback, and, uh, you know, it's a bad situation, right? Yeah, no, it's a... Dallas, I wouldn't say so much as a bad situation. It's just you got to figure out your defensive side of the ball because I know offense is everything right now, but when you're in a division that, like you said, Washington and New York are made for runs or unexpectedly they're kind of building in the right direction. Like I thought this year for both those teams would be like, okay, if they finish like 5-11 and 11 or 6-10. and 10. But this NFC lease went to a potential, we can see an 8-8 eight and eight or, a not, or even a 9-7 and seven best case scenario winner. I don't think it'll be that way. I think this is going to be a 7-9 division winner, either if it's Washington or New York. But right. Dallas, um, 
I don't know if you remember this, but about 40 years ago, the Cowboys and Vikings made a trade where the Vikings basically mortgaged their entire future to get Herschel Walker. What if Dallas is crazy enough to do something similar for Trevor Lawrence? I'm just, it's something I have in the back of my mind because a 6'6", tall, long-haired, white Christian quarterback in Dallas, Texas, that's something the fans can gravitate towards. Like, I don't think the Jets will give up the pick if it ends up being them, which more than likely it will. But it's just, that's one thing you've got to think about is, I, and also, do they need to fix up everything? They have to fix up, like, their defensive line, their linebacking core, because Van Der Esch, the first-round pick, who's actually got to get, who has the option of getting paid this offseason, he played like shit last night, and even, too, they have no one in the backfield to help him out. That secondary is weak and depleted. Also, too, I don't know why they hired Mike Nolan in the first place. That was a, I don't expect him to be back. You've got to bring in someone good to run that defensive shift for that team going forward. Um, but for the most part, last night, the only lessons to take forward is, is look, if Baltimore can build upon it, great, and use it because obviously they have a really big game coming this Monday night, and even though they trounced their opponent in Week 1, the difference between this team Week 1 to Week 14, it's a world of difference. So we'll see. Baltimore's a big wait and see for me. But besides that, it's just all the questions now are pointed towards that team with the stars and logo playing in um, Arlington, Texas at that Jerry's World Megadome AT&T Stadium. Anyway, guys, up next, we got a whole slate of games to pre uh, predict. Three days, but four, I was going to say 16. I almost said 14 for some reason because I'm used to it because of bye weeks. But now we have 16 games this week. No bye weeks. Bye weeks are done with until the wild card round. So anyway, guys, we'll be right back as we get you set for week 14 of the NFL season. Whew. So, like, we just recapped week 13. We're on to week 14. Thursday night football is the first game, obviously, because, look, it's Wednesday, December 9th right now as we record. But Thursday night football is that first game. And it happens to be the Patriots playing again against the Rams, in which you can kind of say is a big game for both teams. Bigger for New England, in my opinion, but I still think it's a big game for L.A. Yeah. I agree. Big game for both teams. Um, definitely New England has more to play here. They're trying to keep up with, uh, you know, obviously the wild card race. Uh, it doesn't look like they're going to catch the Bills or Miami uh, where they're sitting at right now. Um, L.A., of course, is trying to, you know, stay where they are and continue their, uh, you know, current pace. But um, this is a tough one for me, Griff, because, like, I honestly don't know, like, the, the Patriots have been so up and down this season, it's uh, it's hard to tell who's going to show up, you know? Like, I don't think anybody was expecting them to go into... Like, I, you could have been confident and be like, okay, we have a good record against the Chargers over the past couple of games we played, as, you know, time has told us. But, no, I wasn't expecting a 45 nothing pounding like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where offense was moving, defense was making plays, special teams was making plays and scoring touchdowns, like... It was all over the place. Like it was the perfect game. Nothing could go wrong for us, right? Now, this LA is much is a much more completed team than I would say the Chargers. We're gonna have Aaron Donald to deal with, Jalen Ramsey covering in the secondary, you know, Jared Goff in that offense can be very explosive. So uh, this will be a tough one, man. And it's really all gonna depend on I think how good the defense of New England plays and keeps us in the game, kinda like in the Super Bowl, right? Where they disrupted Goff. Uh, they weren't able to really score points. And, uh, you know, for the longest time, it was like a stalemate up until uh, 
Brady and the Patriots are able to get that drive at the end, and Sony Michelle punched it in. Exactly, because like I'm just looking at Goff's stats. Like in against San Francisco, he was 19 for 31 and threw for just under 200 yards, literally at 198 with two mm-hmm. interceptions. Then you go to the next week where they play the Cardinals. They win by 10, and his stats are 37 for 47, 351 yards thrown. So a big, big portion of this game is it's going to be – I'm going to quote a song. So, you know, we'll, you obviously know the song, Will a Real Slim Shady Please Stand Up. Mm-hmm. This one's going to be a big deal of will the real Cam Newton please stand up or the, will, will the real Jared Goff stand up because we don't know. That's the thing with each quarterback each week. You don't know who you're going to get. The Patriots – as you and I know, like, this year it's been a little different, been a little rough at times, but all they literally have to do is just run an easy-to-scheme offense, make it simple, because look, if we pounded it down the Chargers' throat, now obviously it's going to be a little bit harder to run the ball with guys like Aaron Donald right there, Brockers, even Ramsey too, because like the Rams' defense is one of those defenses where they can defend you well, or you know what, if you can find those little niches and figure out how to play them, you can't beat them. It's not one of those things where it's like this world-beating defense where you're going in every week, like, shaking in your legs or shaking in your boots. Mm-hmm. This is a defense where, you know what, they can be solved and figure out. I think for as much as you said that the Patriot defense is going to be a big part of this, I think the Patriot offensive line, which has played great as of late, with, like, Tooney, Andrews, Michael Owenu, who I still say steal of the 2020 draft, if those guys can play a great game, you're good, because you saw how well Tooney did against Aaron Donald in the Super Bowl. So, if we can get a similar performance tomorrow night out of Joe Tooney, there's a good chance the Patriots are going to win this game. And also, too, for everyone going, oh, but Cam has to chuck it downfield. Look, when Cam throws less and runs more, the Patriots win. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things, like, it's like Lamar Jackson last year. Lamar runs wild. Hey, guess what? The Ravens win games. You got to that divisional playoff game last year against Tennessee. They made Lamar, hey, we're going to throw it a bunch. And they looked bad, and they lost 28-12. to So... There's the part of me that goes tomorrow night, look, either team can win. I do think it'll be a close game of football, but the spread right now, I looked, it is six, but I don't know who wins. Like, I want to say pass just because I am, obviously, you and I like the New England Patriots. But I will say this, I do think that New England does cover the spread tomorrow night. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a tough one, too. I, I can see. Like, it's, it's a tough one to call. I can see it being close, but then I can also see, depending on what kind of, like you said, Cam Newton or New England Patriot team shows up, it could be a long night, right? Um, hoping that the Pats can win it, but uh, probably, like, my brain's telling me that the Rams edge this one out uh, ever so slightly. But, uh, you know, we'll have to find out tomorrow. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a game that I'm looking forward to watching. Um, my only comment on Cam... Yeah, he's going to have to throw it. I just don't want Cam to be hesitant in the pocket. Like, there's times where I've said this to you and I've seen him. You know, it's kind of like he goes through his reads and there's nothing there. And I feel like the old Cam Newton would just, all right, there's nothing here. Let me get out of the pocket and maybe scramble for a couple yards or run out of the pocket, extend the play, maybe find an opening and and somewhere to throw to. But I'm just not seeing that. He's kind of just standing in there almost as if he's forcing himself to be like a pocket passer and, uh, you know, there's times where I just wish he would just, you know, uh, gunsling it. You know what I mean? Tuck it and run. Or get out of the pocket, scramble, throw on the run, run for some yards, do what you got to do. Because, like you said, the stats are in favor when he throws less and runs more. We're more successful and we win. So that's all I would have to say with Cam Noon. I hope he's not hesitant and just kind of, uh, you know, does the first thing that comes to mind and just goes with it, you know? Exactly. It's the whole don't overthink or overreact. Just exactly. go, go, go with what your gut tells you. 
Yeah, like, exactly. I don't want. Like it's tough to make a prediction for this one. Like I want to say Patriots, but at the same time too, I could see the Rams winning it just because look, like how the Patriots are such a week to week team, and also too for all the talk. And also too, the one thing I will say is though, if the Patriots say if they were to go to play tomorrow night and have a game like they did against San Francisco, then that then forty five nothing means nothing for this team because it's like oh hey look you whooped the Chargers but then you lost the Rams and if we lose the Ram game tomorrow night. It may not be win and out. It's going to be win and help. If we win tomorrow night, it's look. You're seven and six, and seven and six looks a lot better than six and seven because they haven't been right. above five hundred. We're at five hundred now. They haven't been. They haven't been above five hundred since week three. Yeah, I know. Um, the next game is actually this next game on paper. I don't know why the spread's so low. It's two points. It's the Texans visiting the Bears, in which I think this game is going to be heavily covered by the media of the whole narrative of the whole Deshaun Watson, Mitch Trubisky stuff. Um, the only thing I, I started saying about these narratives is, is obviously with Sean Watson, we knew he was going to be good coming out of college, but when people go, oh, I can't believe the Bears passed up on Mahomes, I started to say, we didn't know how good Mahomes was going to be. If you had told us even three years ago when he was sitting on the bench in KC, Mahomes is going to win MVP and Super Bowl MVP in the next two years, I don't know if anyone would have believed you. Like, we thought, hey, this kid's got potential and upside, but I don't think anyone thought how good he was going to be, really. So that's the one thing I always like to say is, like, hey, I don't blame Mitch. I blame more or less Ryan Pace for the pick. But in a game I could care less about, I'm going to say Texans. Yeah, I think Texans can win this game, too. Uh, The Bears' offense is just a complete mess. Um, We've we've already said this. Like, we've called them, I guess, frauds. The worst 3-0 team and then the worst 5-1 team in NFL history. Yeah, like, the fact that they're record is not worse which it probably could and should be like you know they've had some close games like against the Detroit Lions back in week one where Falcons week Staff- three yeah Falcons week three like Stafford literally throws the touchdown uh and it falls out of his hands and then they you know lose the game but yeah I'm not I'm not sold on the Bears uh I agree with you as well nobody really I don't think anybody really knew or projected Mahomes to be what he is now coming out of college Definitely, if you're a Bears fan and you you can be upset about the whole Deshaun Watson over Michelle uh, uh, Mitchell Trubisky type of uh, you know trading up for him, it hasn't panned out. But you know, let's 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 see what happens here. Um, it's going to be interesting. I, I really kind of do want to see what Chicago does next because I don't think Trubisky or Foles is the right guy going forward for this team uh, at the quarterback position, but. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think Texans edge this one out and win it, uh, despite, you know, the, uh, you know, it feels like every single time I look on the news, somebody on the Texans offense is like getting waived or is not on the team anymore or something like that. But uh, I'm pretty, I, I, I trust Deshaun way more than I trust, you know, Trubisky. So uh, I'm picking the Texans for this one as well. I would also say it's probably low scoring. Like I'd probably go like, I don't know, like 21 to 14, somewhere in that range. Like I feel like the Bears have a couple drives just because the, the, the Texans' defense is a little wonky, but at the same time, too, I feel like the Texans are just going to have enough in the tank just to get it done, kind of like what we saw yesterday. Exactly. Um, next up is Titans-Jags, where I'm going to make a prediction right now. It's at a 7.5-point spread. Jags cover, but Titans win. I only say that because, look, divisional football, I throw out when it's a large spread because obviously we saw like what happened with New England and New York about a month, actually a month ago today. I still think the Titans win this game, but... I wouldn't be shocked if this is a closer game than people anticipate. Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, I do think the Titans win, like you said. But um, 
yeah, I think that Jags can make it competitive. It's a divisional game, and you know the Titans are another team that uh, I don't really know what to make of. Like sometimes they're they're on point, and then other times they're they're not. But I do think they'll come back focused, especially after that loss to the Browns, right? So you know they're still playing for something here. So they're probably going to come mentally prepared to play, and uh, I do expect them to uh, you know get the win here and. Uh, whether you said the the spread, I don't think, you know, I, I can see that happening as well where it doesn't cover, but uh, I definitely do see the Titans winning this game. Oh, same. Like, I, I see the Titans winning. I think Derrick Henry has a bounce-back week just because we know the Jacksonville defense isn't as good, but they can still put up points. Like, they did it against Cleveland. They did it against Minnesota. So I'm going to put a bow and a score on this one. I'm going to say 31 to 25. I'm just going to throw out score got me. Mm-hmm. Um... Next is a game I could care less about with the Broncos and the Panthers. Um, I say Panthers just because of the bye week and also, too, the Broncos are so wish-wash. Yeah, um, I can see the Panthers pulling this off, too. Um, I think the only way the Broncos win this game is if Melvin Gordon has another performance like he did versus KC. Um, and, but obviously, Drew Locke's going to have to play uh a good game as well because uh, he can't do it all himself. Um, so, but yeah, you know, the Panthers are coming off uh, the bye week. However, they do have some guys on the COVID list that I was reading, such as um, DJ Moore, Curtis and Samuel. I believe Curtis Samuel as well. So those are they're, they're, like your two best receivers, right? Uh, those are Bridgewater's go-to guys. So um, I can definitely see that being a problem, but, uh, you know, I still think they're able to edge it out just because of the, uh, you know, my, I just my lack of trust in Drew Locke and the Broncos. They're another team that's kind of wishy washy as well, right? So I, I I'd go with the Panthers on this one as well. Um, the other thing too is is that McCaffrey had a thigh issue and was held out of practice today, which FFS. And the big thing too is is look if you're looking for someone in fantasy and if he's still available, go with Robbie Anderson. Um, there you go. Next, there's like the first. Four games of Sunday. I'm just looking at them like I don't really care about these except for Titans Jags, just because I want to see how Henry does. And like this one too, it's like Cowboys and Bengals, which this either is going to be a good game or going to suck. Uh, yeah, I mean if if both QBs for each of these teams are playing, I'd probably be way more intrigued. Like Dak and Burrow going at it. Yeah, uh, you know I can see what's what's happening there. Um, I'm going to pick the Bengals slightly here just because, like, if Joe Burrow's playing and Dak's out with the injury, I would pick the Bengals 10 times out of 10 just with all the Cowboys' issues on defense. But uh, it's going to be interesting now with, uh, obviously, two backup QBs. We'll see what happens. But uh, I'll probably edge out the Bengals here just because I know what kind of talent they have on that offense, uh, despite Joe Burrow being, you know, not on the field with, uh, you know, Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green, and, you know, the backs like Mixon and Giovanni Bernard. So uh, I, I give it to the Bengals ever so slightly pull this one out. But uh, you're right, not a game that I'm going to be, you know, circling on my calendar to sit down and watch, at least not anymore, because I was huge on taking in uh, Burrow and watching his games just to see how he developed. I was very impressed with him over the first couple of games of his young career uh, up until the injury. But uh, yeah. Now that uh, him and Dak aren't playing, it's not going to be something that I'm going to be too interested in. Yeah, and um, I'm going to go opposite of you. I think the Cowboys win just because this is an Andy Dalton revenge game. So because of that reason, I'm just going to go Cowboys. I'm like, look, I could see them playing well just because 
like I said, Andy Dalton revenge game. And I want to be mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. Um, next up is our first intriguing matchup of the day, which I'm only saying intriguing because for one team, it's kind of, hey, raise your stock even more than it already is. And the other team, it's, we'll see what you got. And that's Kansas City going to Miami to take on the Dolphins. This yeah, is- that's uh, that's going to be an interesting one, man. I was looking at that one, too. Uh, very tough, man. Um, you know, I can see if Miami's defense can show up and disrupt this offense or contain them somewhat, you know, cause problems for Mahomes, and two is able to play well, you know, they can compete in this game. I think they can compete. It's no secret, at least to me, that the Chiefs' Achilles heel is that defense, right? Um, Obviously, when Mahomes can score, like, you know, 35 points week in and week out effortlessly, it makes things easier. Uh, but, um, you know, I just, uh, it's a t- it's, it's, it's going to be a close one if, if the defense of Miami can show up, but I would still pick the chiefs, uh, to win it, but, um, I'm definitely going to be interested to see how this one goes. That's for sure. Me too. Just cause like, you're right. And also the one thing I was thinking about is too, Hey, Brian Flores was a part of the defense where New England managed to shut down Mahomes for a good portion of the first two matchups. So you may see that, but I only say when I made the metaphors about stocks before, because if Kansas City wins, it's just them, hey, saying further, hey, we're 12 and 1, we're looking good. And also because this is the start of a bad four game stretch from Miami, which also includes New England, Las Vegas, and Buffalo. So, yeah. Man, like I can see Miami going 2 and 2 down the stretch, but if you want to show people, hey, we belong in January, this is the kind of game where. Even if you lose, you know how sometimes they say, I'd rather win ugly than lose pretty? Mm. Losing pretty for them would not be a bad case, worst case scenario. Losing pretty would be like, hey, look, they held their own. Like, if they can play a similar game to what the Broncos did on Sunday, minus the turnovers that Drew Locke had, who knows how this game can go. I ultimately am going to go Chiefs, but... Miami, I could potentially see squeaking out one like look how they went to Santa Clara two months ago and handled the Chiefs. Obviously, handled the Chiefs, handled the Forty ers no problem. So it really depends on which Miami Dolphins team shows up. Yeah, I agree. So we'll see what happens. It's gonna be interesting. I'm really excited to actually see how this plays out. And uh, like you said, uh, Miami's uh, coach he's uh, he's familiar with uh, Mahomes. He's had some experience against them. So uh, we'll see what happens, man. I'm. Uh, if you had to pick a team to win, who would you want? As a Patriots fan, I'm assuming it's better that the Chiefs win, but who would you want to win here? Fan me wants to see – fan me is rooting for Kansas City just because of standings, but the football guy and analyst to me would not mind seeing the Dolphins win, so I'm like, I don't know. Like I, I, it won't affect me, like, how I live my life, but the only thing I'll say is um, – what was I going to say? I would like to see Miami just for the story. Mm. Kind of like how New York won last week against Seattle, which leads us into our next game, in which for me, honestly, this is a matchup where a couple months ago I would look at it and go, eh, now this matchup's a very, very intriguing one with the Cardinals going to the Giants. Yeah. Arizona, I don't really know. You know, they... I feel like they started off really well, uh, but now uh, over the past couple of games, you know, they're sitting at six and six. The Giants are five and seven. So literally by the end of this game, if the Giants win, they could be tied with the same record, right? Um, 
both teams have a lot to play for. The Giants are obviously trying to win the division, host the playoff game, and the Cardinals are still, you know, in the hunt of things, so they're trying to keep that alive. Uh, and it's like you said, I really don't know what to expect here. Like, if that Giants defense plays the same way they did last week against Seattle, it will, I can see them pulling off the win. I really can, despite the offensive talent that the Cardinals have. But uh, it's really going to all come down to how that game goes, uh, you know, first and foremost. And I do think that I do think that the uh, the Giants' offense will have to score a little bit more points than they did last week against Seattle. But all in all, I agree with you. I think this is going to be a very interesting game going forward, and what we uh, what we can see it's uh, it's shaping up to be a good one. It is. Um, the big thing with me really is what Arizona team plays because Arizona, ever since well, the quote unquote Hail Murray happened, they have not looked that good. Like, sure, like Seattle, they kind of held their own, but you could tell Murray was struggling with the shoulder. And then they obviously had the bad luck against the Patriots with a missed field goal in a game I believe that the Cardinals should have won. Um, and then, like, because too, they had the interception and then the missed field goal, and then there was the Isaiah Simmons penalty, and then Nick Folk kicked game winner. And then you had last week against L.A. where they just got neutralized. The biggest thing with me with this Cardinal team is... Actually, not the biggest thing with me. The one thing I was going to say about them is they are where I kind of expected them to be. Kind of like... I My prediction, like, way back, like, at the start of COVID, when we were making our crate When I was making crazy uh, season predictions, one of them was that the Cardinals would make the playoffs. Just because they got DeAndre Hopkins. They obviously got some... They have some weapons... They have Drake. Um, they drafted Isaiah Simmons, who's a great defender. But I have always had a feeling, too, where this team is probably going to have to go through some roadblocks and get punched in the mouth to kind of go, hey, I look at them now more as if they get into the playoffs, I can't see them winning a wild card matchup unless they get lucky or have a good game. I think this is a team where you kind of start to look towards the future. And I'm going to make a prediction that DeAndre Hopkins is – held to under 100 yards receiving just because you're probably going to have Bradbury on him and Bradbury neutralized DK Metcalf last week. Yeah. Very underrated free agent signing for the New York Giants by the way. James Bradbury. I mean if you're the if you're the Giants you have to go into this game anyways thinking let anybody else but DeAndre beat us, right? Yeah. Double team him every play, do what you got to do. Force Andy Isabella, you know, Christian Kirk, those guys to make the plays so you guys get beat, right? Fitz is off the COVID list. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, but still, make no mistake, DeAndre Hopkins is their best and their most, you know, elusive, talented player by a long shot. So you're going to put your primary focus on trying to neutralize him and shut him down. And it'll, you know, it'll give you a chance to win for sure. Now, do they win despite, you know, the injuries that the Giants have and all of that quarterback situation? I don't know. It's uh, it's still going to be a tough one, but they they can definitely be high on confidence after what they just pulled off against Seattle on the road. And like I said, they have a lot to play for. The division is very much theirs for the taking if they win this game. Uh, so... I expect it to be a very uh, competitive game with both teams kind of going at it because, you know, I mean, if you look at the schedule all in all, this is December football, man. Teams have something to play for. Both both teams playing each other have something to play for, and that makes for entertaining football. So 
Uh, I'm looking forward to this one as well. There's only a couple of matchups where really no team is playing for anything, and that's like Denver, Carolina, and then there's another one uh, in the 4 o'clock window that we'll talk about in a bit. But besides that, and also I'd say Houston and Chicago, but besides that, every game this week has big playoff implications on this. But even though I think it would be nice to see the Giants win just because of that story of how, look, they at the beginning of the year no one had expectations for them, but then they're making this run. I personally do believe, though, that this will be a get-right game for the Arizona Cardinals. And I think this is like a squeaker win, but I just something because a lot of teams, after a big, big win, that's the thing that concerns me with New England, is that you kind of, not regress, but you kind of like are caught up in that moment. New England, not as much, because obviously I know they can go from game to game and forget about what happened. I just think with the Giants, you know what, maybe they may be riding too high of a wave of, hey, we beat the Seahawks, and they may underestimate the Cardinals to where the Cardinals are able to take advantage of that and win. So I think that's a there's a very strong possibility of that happening, and that's why I'm going with the Cardinals. Gotcha. Yeah, I would. I think the Cardinals can win this one too. Um, so that would be my pick as well. Uh, but uh, I do see it being a competitive game, 100%. Yeah. Um, next one is the last one of the 1 o'clock windows. It's actually also true. It is intriguing. With the Vikings going to Tampa to visit the box. Yeah, this is an intriguing game, I agree. Um, you know, Minnesota's at 500. They're obviously trying to make a last-ditch push for, you know, a playoff spot. Um, Tampa needs to as well. Uh, they're 7-5. and five. Uh, Definitely not where Tampa needs to be. Um, they've dropped a couple of games. And obviously we're well aware of everything that's been going on. You know, with you know Brady, Bruce Arians, who's who's to blame? Who's playing bad? Is the coaching bad? Brady's playing bad, yada yada yada. So um, I definitely think it's a big game for both. Um, I, you know, I, I expect Brady and them to come ready to play and focus. Um, so we'll see what happens, though. Um, it's going to depend on, I guess, really who shows up. I think it'll be more of a a defensive matchup whichever defense plays better can get the win here just because I think both teams when I look at their defenses they have the capabilities to make plays disrupt both quarterbacks and I think ultimately that could be the the difference maker here because I'll you look at the offense of both teams there's playmakers regardless right um you know Tampa's obviously stacked with it you got Adam Thielen uh, Dalvin Cook and uh, Justin Jeffries, who's proven to be a, a rookie of the year contender here. Uh, he he just I think I don't know if you saw this, Griff. He just became yeah. Uh, other than Randy Moss, the second rookie to pass a thousand yards receiving in a season, right? So that's some huge company to be in uh, if you're uh, you know a rookie playing on the Minnesota Vikings. We all know what Randy Moss was. So you know I, I, this will probably be one of the games out of all of them in the one o'clock window that I'm going to want to watch the most probably with the next one being chiefs and dolphins. Yeah. This game to me has implications for both teams because this is the kind of game where if Tampa wins, it's everything is fine. The other thing I want to say quickly about the whole Tampa thing is, is Matt, there's actually an app I should recommend you download. It's called the locker room app. And in there, there's, like, sports forums where you can have, like, Q&As with, like, just random people. But then there's a few sports reporters who do that. And actually, through that, I got to talk to Jeff Darlington of ESPN last week. And he was telling me that, and it's basically the point I thought of, and you should know this too, 
with Brady right now with Arians, it's not so much who's to blame. It's, look, Arians just calls people out to the media. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. Belichick straight up will do it behind the scenes, but he'll do it to your face. Exactly. So exactly. that's the thing that people are forgetting about. Everyone's going, oh, what's the problem? What's going on? When in reality, it's, look, Brady has no problem. Everyone's just assuming there's a problem. Meanwhile, with this whole situation, it's, hey, this is just Tom's world. It's just something that the public is not used to. The football right. world's used to it, but the casual fan's going to look at this and go, oh, my God, what's going on here? But, like, we know that. Um, there's multiple narratives to this game because if Minnesota wins, it's like, oh, look, the Vikings are the Vikings. And if the Bucks win, it's, hey, they're back on track, like Baltimore last night. Mm. But if you flip the script and it's the opposite, that's where if both teams are 7-6 and six coming out of this matchup, this is a loss where can a loss here hurts the Bucks more than it does the Vikings. Like, if the Vikings lose, I think they can kind of go, like, okay, hey, we had this cute little run. Now we know that, like, we pretty much have to win out to get in the playoffs because unlike the AFC, I do think that the NFC 9-7 and seven can get you in. And the Vikings do have, I believe, the Bears and the Lions in two of their last three. So this is that kind of loss where it would suck for the Vikings, but it's not worst-case scenario. Right. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think there's more to lose for the Bucks if they lose this game. Um, I think if they lose this game, I, I have a really hard time seeing them make the playoffs. Um, and it's just, yeah, I don't know. And just to touch on what you said, you're right. Brady's not unfamiliar with getting criticized, right? But yeah. I, I do I do think that Bruce Arians, uh, you know, everybody has their own opinion, but you know, sometimes you just don't air out your dirty laundry. You know what I mean? You you don't let the kids know that mommy and daddy are fighting, right? Yeah. So keep it behind closed doors. You know, do your thing. I, you know, I personally, I'm not going to put all the blame on on, on Bruce for the struggles uh, because I think it's 50-50. Like, I genuinely think that Brady hasn't played that great sometimes. But I also feel that the, the game plan isn't structured for Brady to succeed. Like... You know, the, Brady has made his living, his career, off getting the ball out quick and having his, having his playmakers make a man miss, get yards after catch. The whole standing back there and throwing it 50 yards downfield, not something we saw a whole lot of during his time in New England. Obviously, a lot of his time in New England, it's not that he, he didn't have a guy like Randy Moss or Mike Evans to throw it up to, but... You know, regardless, at his age, I know Tom Brady, he's 43 years old. He wants to get the ball out quick and not take hits, right? Um, I think they need to call more play action in this game. They didn't call a whole lot of play action against the Chiefs, but when they did, they were very successful. So um, that would be my – I'm hoping to see that that happens. Just, like, set Brady up for success. When you run the play action, most of the time – it buys you time in the pocket where you can kind of scan the field and go from there. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Definitely think the Bucks need to win this game more so than the more than the Vikings, like you said. Um, and, you know, I do think that they can pull this one out. So, you know, and, and another thing too, Bruce Arians likes to throw it, but run the ball, man. Ronald Jones is playing great. Like yeah. just run the ball. And I know the Vikings are going to run the ball. They're going to use, you know, Dalvin Cook, no problem. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens here, man. If you have a balance and you run the ball, it opens so much up for Brady as well, like I said, with the play action. And, yeah. you know, that keeps the defense honest, right? So, you know, we'll see what happens. 
ultimately, I, I am going to pick Tampa to get the win at home. Uh, I do see, I can't, I can see this being a very competitive game though as well, where it's closer than, uh, you know, it's closer than people might think. I think this is kind of like, I'm going to use the heavyweight fight metaphor where I think Tampa has just enough to land that one last knockout punch. Like this, I think this will be a close game. This is going to be a dogfight, but like you're saying, I think Tampa has just enough to squeak out the victory. For sure. Um, we're on the 4 o'clock window now, and the first game is a game I honestly couldn't care less who loses just because of playoff implications. But this is going to be a very, it, this is a very, I think this game, honestly, loser does not make the playoffs, and that's the Colts versus the Raiders. Like, you have two teams where you've had, they've had their moments, but then they've had their moments, when I say that, obviously, negative and positive, because... In all honesty, like the Raiders should have been the Jets' first victim last week, but we know what happens now when you run a blitz on a Hail Mary. Um, Anything to get fired from being a part of that coaching staff, I guess, right? That Yes, that too. But that's also Greg Williams being very aggressive like he normally is. Um, mm-hmm. But this game right here says a lot. Like If you're a Pats fan, this is a game you have all your eyes on. This is a game where, look, whoever loses this, like you win this. This is a big win going forward because... The Colts are eight and four. The Raiders are seven and five. I still do say though, this is a bigger, this is more of a must-win for the Raiders, just because the Colts eight and five. You can technically win out when they still have to play the Texans and the Jags one more time. But for the Raiders, man, you got like if you're Vegas, you gotta win this game. Yeah, I agree. Um, the Colts right now are tied for the top of the division with Tennessee, right? Yeah. So uh, we're going to assume that Tennessee beats Jacksonville, barring an upset. Yeah. But so if the Colts win, they're still tied at 9-4 and four with uh, Tennessee. But if they lose, you know, they're a game back. It's not the end of the world because if they go, if let's just say hypothetically they win out and they finish 11-5, and five, it should be good enough to get you into the playoffs. Yeah. Right? Um, so, yeah, definitely – the, the Raiders have more to lose here. Um, you know, they're currently obviously sitting at, you know, seven and five. So we'll see what happens. The Raiders are another team that's very up and down and consistent. I really don't know what to make of them. Like there's times where it's like, you know what? These guys can compete. They gave Kansas city their first, you know, loss of the season. They lost in the second matchup. They played very well. They almost had them, but I think we all knew that, you score with a minute and something left in the fourth quarter. That's you might as well give Patrick Mahomes the entire game. He's going to score, right? Yeah, you also can't pass rush him with four guys. Exactly, exactly. So um, you know, Raiders definitely need to win this game. Uh, I think it's a lot harder to make the playoffs if you have that sixth loss and could potentially add to more, right? But yeah, you know, uh, we'll see how it goes. I do think though that you know, I don't know, man, the Raiders. The game against Atlanta was terrible. They should have lost to the Jets. They've yeah. been pretty shaky the last two weeks. You know, I can just see the Colts getting it done, right? So I would I would slightly pick the Colts here in this game, but wouldn't surprise me at all if the Raiders come to play and, and you know, they, they get the win. Exactly. Uh, I'm going Colts as well. Um, the other thing I wanted to say, I was just thinking quickly back to the uh, Tampa-Minnesota game. Tampa still does have the Falcons two times, so that's just something. Right, and the right. Lions. So even if they're seven and six, I'm pretty sure Tampa's going to go ten and six. Is their worst case scenario? Yeah. Obviously, yeah. worst case for them is losing out and going seven and nine, but that's not happening. So all the more reason for the Bucks to go out and try and win this game because yeah. 
this will be, if you look at it on paper, this is your toughest game remaining in the season schedule, right? Like, yeah. you expect to beat the Falcons twice. You expect to beat the, 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 the Detroit Lions. So, you know, well, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, that's just the only thing I wanted to point out with that quickly, going back to that point, because I forgot to get in before. But with this game, I look at the Colts' defense as just being better and disrupting Derek Carr. Because the Raider defense is that one thing that still is just... They're, they're not there. They've got some pieces. They're just not there yet. The Raiders' defense, because they have their moments. Like, they'll have a game where they look good, and then they'll have a game like against the Bucs, going back to that one, and they got their butts kicked. That also does have to do with their offensive line being out for the week with COVID. But, like we said before, same metaphor, another heavyweight bout, but you know what? The Phillip Rivers, I think, if like, and also, too, if it comes down to it, I trust Phillip Rivers more than I trust Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Me yeah. too. Me yeah. too. Um, yeah. Very uh, inconsistency with Derek Carr, but um, I'm going to ride with the Colts on this one with you, buddy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Jets, Seahawks, uh, Seahawks cover 13 because I, 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 the only game I see the Jets potentially winning on the rest of their schedule out of the Seahawks, Rams, Browns, and Patriots is the Browns because the Browns, you never know what you're going to get. And besides, too, the are uh, what was I going to say before with the Browns? Their uh, defense, just the uh, Browns are the Browns. Um, but this is a matter of like, hey, look, are the will the Jets actually come to play, or are they going to get their butts kicked? All right. Uh, good question. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, definitely picking Seattle. No, no doubt about it. I think they bounce back. Yeah. Um, another game though that could be interesting if you think about it, like the Jets. Pro- like if you if you look at it from both sides. Seattle wants to come in and bounce back from that game against the Giants, yes. right? The Jets probably want to come in and be like, that was some BS. We should have won that game. Let's try and get this one here. You know what I mean? They can go back and watch tape on the Giants, see what they did to be try and be successful, you know, do what you got to do. Greg Williams is out of there now. So, you know, who knows? Let's see what happens. But ultimately, I am still going to pick Seattle to win this game. Uh, and, uh, you know... They're at home as well. I know the fans aren't there, but, you know, it is what it is. Jamal Adams is playing his old team. He's probably going to want to have a big game too, right? Yeah, that too. So, yeah, let's uh, let's see what happens. But uh, definitely taking uh, Seattle with my eyes closed on that one. Uh, I'm going to say Seattle wins, but I wouldn't be shocked if the uh, – every time there's a big spread, I'm always tempted to take the underdog cover because Vegas does that where they'll – Put the spread out big to get people to bet the team, and then it doesn't happen. Like, look at Kansas City, Carolina, and there's also a couple other ones in there, too, where, look, the spread... Like, even last week, too, Seahawks-Giants. I think the Seahawks were, like, a 10-point favorite or 10-and-a-half. So, 13 is risky, but I still... Seattle should win this game. 100%. Um, uh, there is, on the list, there is one... Let's get above this, but then there's... A, um, so, basically, I'm just going to skip a game and then come back to it, because Falcons-Chargers, who really cares... Um, I like honestly, I look at this, and that's the other one I was referring to earlier, where there's no playoff implications in this game. Uh, I'm going to take the Falcons just because look, they played the Saints tough last week. They whooped the Raiders and the Chargers. I I can see the Chargers winning because of everything else, and also too, it was announced today that Anthony Lynn not only compared to the loss to Pearl Harbor, but he also compare he also was taking over special teams uh, play calling, which I think is a desperation move because at the end of the day. If I had to put coaches on the hot seat, he is the coach that his seat is really warm right now. So 
I'm just going to say Falcons because, honestly, I could care less about this game. Yeah, I, I agree. Falcons is just a better overall team, uh, so I would pick the Falcons as well. Although, if you look at it, both teams losing probably would benefit because you're at this point, you're if, if I'm either one of those teams, you're trying to get a good draft pick, right? So that's it, but I, I pick the Falcons to win this game. Okay, and uh, the next one we got here is uh, the one I skipped was Packers at Lions, which actually this game got flexed into 425, which we actually do have a flex game for next weekend, which is a big game, which we'll talk about later. But Packers-Lions, um, I can see the Lions keeping it close, but I'm still going to go Packers because when it comes to teams, man, I, I can't trust Aaron Rodgers. I said Monday he's gonna be he's my MVP right now. Like I understand Mahomes is Mahomes, but MVP is not who the best player is. MVP who is the most valuable player to the franchise, and that's Aaron Rodgers. And like I said before, I'm just going for the Packers. Yeah, Packers. I can't see the Packers not winning this game. Uh, you you kind of took the words out of my mouth. You got Rodgers, who's on pace for a potential MVP. So I'm just going to leave it at that, uh, picking the Packers to win as well. Uh, Devontae uh, Adams is uh, on fire yep. uh, as of late, yeah, so he can't be stopped really. But, yeah, I uh, expect the Packers to win quite easily. The Lions could make it competitive, but ultimately I'm picking the Packers. Okay, next we have Saints-Eagles, where Jalen Hurts will get his first career start, but he's getting fed to the Wolves. Um, the Saints' defense is just unstoppable. This this is where the Saints are so crazy, that they're 8-0 in the last two years without Breeze. Think about that. And also, too, their defense this year is first overall defense in the league. They have a great pass rush. Their safeties in the corners get the job done. Like... You, I there's no way I can, I can't see the Saints losing this game. It's just like the Lions Packers. Like you, I just can't see it. I can see Hurts maybe having some exciting plays, but you know what? I you can't. I'm wearing a black and gold shirt right now, even though it's I decided to wear a big Golden Knights shirt. But I'm going with the team in black and gold. Yeah, me too. Um, I think if you're an Eagles fan, it's all about just kind of gauging Jalen and how he plays. If you can get some high percentage offensive plays out of him some you know playmaking ability for flashes here and there that's what it's really all about you're not going to expect to win this game so yeah i pick i'm picking the saints uh you know what i i i hope you know what i want actually griff assuming the saints do what we're expecting them to and absolutely destroy philadelphia uh, I'm hoping that they give uh, Winston some reps towards the end of the game there. If, if the score's up and high there, I want to kind of see Jameis uh, under center and see what he does with this, you know, with this offense and his allegedly, you know, now that he's got laser uh, on, you know, the whole laser yeah. uh, eye surgery there so he can see, uh, allegedly. I'd be, I'd be looking, at, I'd be interested in seeing that happen. But uh, will it happen? I don't know. But definitely picking the Saints with, uh, without a doubt. This is a game where I can see, like, you know what, they kind of, like like the San Francisco game of the Saints, where they kind of had their guard down at first, you know, San Francisco may go up, or not San Francisco, Philly may go up 7 nothing early, but then the Saints kind of look in the mirror and go, oh, yeah, right, this is who we are, and then just take over from there. So, like, I can't see this being a blowout, but I think that they'll win by, like, 10 or 14. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. out of hand, but it's not too, too out of hand. They'll, they'll win comfortable. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I uh, speaking of San Francisco, we've got San Francisco playing in Glendale against the football team. San Francisco's man, Robert Sala's defense got exposed against the Buffalo Bills on Monday night. 
Um, I I just have to go. I want to say Washington because of the big win. But like we were talking about earlier with Arizona, how they kind of hit a wall after their big win against Buffalo. It would not shock me to see San Francisco win here. But at the end of the day, I'm going to go Washington just because of how well they're playing. And also to the fact that this is in a very controlled environment. Yeah. I, I, I would pick Washington too. Um, they're coming, they're riding in confidence, obviously, um, with that win against Pittsburgh. And I just, I don't know. I, this 49ers offense with Nick Mullins, I just, I just can't see it. Can't see it getting it done. Um, so just for that, I'm going to pick uh, Washington. I think they, they do have weapons all around with, uh, you know, the, the, the running backs. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Terry. M- I always mispronounce his name. Uh, McLaurin. McLaurin. There you go. I say McLaren uh, for some reason, but uh, he's great. Um, so, you know, Alex Smith has enough to get it done. Uh, and uh, I'm just going to pick Washington on this one just because of all the injuries the 49ers have. It's just, I can't see it happening. Exactly. And we got Sunday night football, Monday night football left. We're almost done, folks. Steelers at Bills, and this is a game that, my God. Like, I saw this game earlier in the year, and I'm like, this game could be intriguing. This game is intriguing, and also, too, I know you and I have a bit of a iffy relationship with Bills Mafia, but this is a game I feel like would be so much better if Bills Mafia were in the stadium. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, even though they're not going to be in the stadium, I'm going to pick Buffalo to win. Yeah, I just... We've been talking about this for a while, man. The Steelers, despite being undefeated up until most recently, there's a lot of question marks there. They would always they had some close calls. They would they always play to the level. The only good thing for Steelers fans is the Steelers do play to the level of their opponents. So I think Buffalo will elevate that level. But you know, I just have more confidence in Josh Allen and that offense to get it done than I do Roethlisberger and Pittsburgh's offense. You know, Mike Tomlin even went out and was, you know, pretty much calling out his wide receivers for the drop passes and the number of drop passes that they have, right? So, you know, that's just, they can't afford to have that against Buffalo, who has a good defense as well, yeah. right? So, routine plays where you're dropping balls, it's just not going to help you. You can't have that. I have more confidence in Buffalo winning this game, buddy. I really do. Uh, offensively and defensively, you could kind of say that they're very similar. Both have good defenses. But I give the upper hand to Allen and his offense versus uh, the Steelers. Yeah, that matchup with his receivers versus the Pittsburgh uh, secondary is going to be very interesting. I will say this, though. If James Conner can be James Conner, because he, he did get activated off the COVID list today, if he can be himself... There's a. I'm still gonna go Bills. I think the Bills win this game. This is that kind of game though where you. This is that cement how far you can go in January game because if you go out there and you don't look good, then you're just gonna start getting that talk of hey, how can we play in January? But if you go out and win, and not even if you win close, it's still good. But if they can win by like seven or make the Pittsburgh defense look like the San Francisco defense did on Monday. You're going to be getting a lot of people talking, and I'm here to say right now, out of all the quarterbacks who were drafted in that 2018 draft class, it would not shock me to see that Josh Allen is the one who's getting that big uh, big bag secured this offseason. Yeah, I, I agree with that. He's also, you know, 
depending on who you're talking to, he's in there. He's in their race for MVP. Obviously, he's not going to be up there with Mahomes and and Rogers, but he's in the he he's been talked about for the MVP now for a good portion of the season. So um, I'm going to pick them to win. I'm not sold on the Steelers. I really haven't been all season. Um, so that's pretty much my pick. I'm, I, I think Bills can get this one. I was going to say this with the Steelers, though. What if this is that kind of thing like where you and I, well, we obviously know what today the anniversary is of, but remember how a couple years ago New England had that game against, obviously, the Miami Miracle, and then they went into Pittsburgh and didn't play their best. But then after that, they kind of found their footing, and then they ran the table and won. So I'm just saying. Exactly, exactly. And I was actually talking to a buddy of mine who's a Steelers fan, and I told him, I was like, it's probably better that you guys get the loss out now versus January when you can't afford to have that loss, right? And sometimes a loss is a wake-up call for a team, and they get it together, and they kick it up a notch. You're right, though. They might lose this second game against the Bills, but then they could be like, all right, run the table, 14-2, and two, and then our absolute prime to make a run in the postseason, right? Because even look at Kansas City last year. Like, last, like, obviously, 2018, they had the great season, losing the AFC Championship game, even though a lot of people argue that they should have won. Mm-hmm. Um and then last year, Mahomes gets hurt. They struggle. They go into the playoffs. They got the second seed by the skin of their teeth just because of the Patriots losing to the Dolphins. But then they had the – then, look, they had this miraculous run of the Super Bowl. So that's that's what I'm saying. Like, even next week, too. We have Chiefs-Saints, the big marquee matchup. If either team lose that game, I'm not going to look at it as bad. I'm going to look at it as the wake-up call because they can go – if you win, it just boosts your ego. But if you lose that game next Sunday afternoon – it may play out in your favor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'd so, rather lose in January than uh, excuse me. I'd rather lose in December than January. Any team who has a long playoff history and legacy, like New England's, knows, and the fan base knows, you'd rather lose now than losing a month from now. Exactly, exactly. And the Steelers can afford to. It's not like they're playing for uh, a playoff spot or something. They have the division in the palm of their hands as of right now. Um, Obviously, you got uh, you know the Browns kind of right there, looking to uh, make a push as well. But I still think Pittsburgh gets it done. They can afford to, you know, if they lose this game, it's not the end of the world. Uh, they can still kind of, you know, like you said, kick it up a notch and better get your losses out now than in January, hundred percent. Yeah, um, which with the Browns, that's our Monday night matchup: Browns Ravens. And a lot of people are going to look at this and go, "Oh, Browns! Like they got their asses kicked week one." I'm saying it straight up. I think Cleveland wins this game. This is a yeah, different. Like Cleveland's that team though, where we don't know who's going to show up. But I, it's just something's telling me right now that look, Baker looked phenomenal on Sunday. Um, for everyone questioning, is he going to be the quarterback next year? I think he will be. I think he's going to have that kind of Dak situation though, where they are going to pick up his option, but then he may be franchised down the road. Because even I said this too to some people recently. I don't know, because like, I know you know hockey, but I don't know how much you know, but do you remember the Red Wings teams that were so dominant late 90s, early 2000s? Yep. You know how like Chris Osgood was their goalie, but then he was surrounded by like Chelio, Shanahan, Iserman, Lindstrom? Yep. Look, Baker's got that similar situation right now, where he's got Landry, he's got Austin Hooper, he's got Nick Chubb, he's got Kareem Hunt, so they've surrounded him with talent to where he can play average, just get the ball to those guys, have those guys do the work, and you're going to look good because, man, that Ravens defense gave me some question marks last night just the way Dallas was able to move the ball on them. And if Cleveland can move the ball the way they did against Tennessee on this Baltimore defense, I'm 
thinking the Browns, I'm not saying, like, I think it's going to be a close game on Monday night, but this is a game that intrigues the hell out of me, and this is a game where I'm honestly not afraid to admit, I think the Browns win this one. I think the Browns win too. Uh, and I say that pretty confidently. Like, I, I could be wrong, but I don't think the Browns lose this game. No. The only way, uh, you know, the only way Ravens, the Ravens have a shot at winning this game is, so, like, I'm just going to go back to what you said about Baker and the whole picking up his, his option and whatnot. I think if Baker can get Cleveland in the playoffs this year, he'll definitely be getting uh, his option picked up and yeah. possibly a, an extension. Um, you're right. He doesn't have to be phenomenal because he has talent around him. He just has to not turn the ball over, essentially. Get the job done. Be a game manager. Don't turn the ball over. Now, for the Ravens, if you want to win this game, you have to get pressure on Baker Mayfield because the statistics when he throws under pressure versus when he's not under pressure, it's night and day, which is the case for most quarterbacks in the league. But uh, with Baker especially, you have to get pressure on him uh, for him to make mistakes. So if the Ravens can do that, they have a shot. But at the same time, we just saw last night how Dallas, with a backup quarterback, was marching down the field against them from time to time. So I don't see why the Browns can't either. And I also think there's going to be a heavy uh, run attack with Chubb and Kareem Hunt. It's doing wonders for them this year. Uh, so keep riding the wave, man. I, 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 my pick's Cleveland on this one, man. They really are. They're, they're, they're showing why they belong. But, like, even if he gets to the playoffs and loses like Buffalo did last year, Josh Allen, you know what? You get a wild card spot. You may lose that. That's just only. It's like Arizona, like how I said earlier. Sometimes you got to get knocked down to get back up again. Right. Cleveland's in that situation right now. Like, look, they're probably going to be in the playoffs unless like the brakes just fall off and they lose their last four. But they play the because they have this. They still have to play the Steelers and they obviously have the Ravens. Right. But. If you make yourself look good enough in this situation to where you can impress people, you're only raising your stock more. But if they lose in January, it's not going to be looked at as a failed season. It's going to be looked at as, hey, we made the playoffs, but where can we learn from here? The only other thing I'll say is, though, um, guard Wyatt Teller got put on the COVID list, and the record with him is a lot better. I don't know the exact numbers, but I know they have a losing record without him in the lineup. So that's just something to pay attention to. Right, right. I, I, I'm looking at the the remaining schedule for Cleveland, and the worst I see them going is two and two. So yeah. they'll finish eleven and five. Like barring they lose against the Ravens on Monday night. But if they don't lose against the Ravens, I can see them potentially twelve and four. Twelve and four. Um, but so if they beat the Ravens, they have the Giants, the Jets, and the Steelers. If the Giants can continue to be as competitive as they are, obviously that'll determine on how they play on Sunday. But if the Giants give them a run for their money, let's say pull off an upset, they're going to beat the Jets. And then if they lose to the Steelers, they lose to the Steelers. So 11-5, and 12-4 and four is where I see the Browns finishing their season. And I think that'll be enough to get them into uh, you know a wild card berth. Exactly. Um, the only other thing I was going to say about, well, now that you mentioned it, but since I will move away from this game, because I quickly want to talk about how this the Giants-Browns game, if people, if you haven't heard, is now Sunday Night Football for Week 15, replacing Dallas-San Francisco, in which a game I'm glad that is off primetime. Like, if it was Dak and Jimmy, yeah, you keep it, because that's probably a playoff eliminator game, or a, uh, that's, a, that's a game where it's got more on the line. But 
that game got flexed out. The Cowboys getting flexed out of primetime rarely happens. And for the and also too, I think the big rumor with this game was is that I think the NFL wanted Chiefs and Saints, but CBS came in and put a fork in the road in that plan and said no because I think the CBS paid a lot of money to broadcast the game next Sunday. So right, right. That so Brown. I thought it was Patriots Dolphins had the potential to be Sunday Night Football next week just because both teams are in that wild card hunt still. But Browns and Giants. Moving to prime time is something I think no one saw coming even six months ago. No, not at all. Um, I agree with you. Uh, they've come a long way. Uh, I mean, like you said, if, if the Browns make the playoffs and lose in the first game, that's still a huge achievement for this team that we've known to just be really, really bad yeah. over the past, you know, what, two decades or so? Uh, but, you know... I, if they make the playoffs, that's great. I'd be happy for them personally. Uh, I have nothing against the Cleveland Browns. So, but you know, I it's all going to depend on what they do uh, now until the end of the season. But I do think that they can beat the uh, Ravens uh, and uh, you know, like I said, finish between the twelve and four, eleven and five mark. Get in, depending on who they play. You never know what can happen on any given Sunday, right? Exactly. That's the expression I've been using for this season because the season literally is any given Sunday because teams who you think are going to lose, win, and teams you think are going to win, lose. Um, what was the other point I was going to make, too? The only thing that scares me with Cleveland, though, is is that they pull, like, a Chicago Bears, where, you know what, they have this great season, first season with a new head coach, like Chicago had in 22 with Nagy, and then they finish 8-8, eight and eight and they kind of plateau back. So if Cleveland can have a model of consistency going into next year and acquire some good-name free agents, because now that they're good, people are going to want to go play there, um... It's look. It's only an all on the up and up for this franchise, which has suffered for a long time. Yep, I agree. Yeah. Well, anyway, folks, that's going to do it for today. Um, I should say shout out Matt Fonseca. It's been a lot of fun chatting with you. We text a lot. We text. Like I say, football is the one sport I can talk twelve months out of the year. Some sports I need a break from. Football is not one of them. So I appreciate you coming on today. I know you really wanted to do this. Absolutely. Second time. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. <laughs> Yes, sir. Alrighty, folks, that does it for today. I'll be back next week. Uh, I have episodes coming out. This So it's Wednesday, December 9th right now. I have a new one dropping on Monday night, and then there will be another one coming out next Thursday. My first ever four-man podcast, so stay tuned for that one. That one's going to be a lot of fun with a lot of familiar faces. But anyway, guys, enjoy week 14, and hopefully your team wins. And also, too, if you're in fantasy football, hopefully you make the playoffs. That's one thing I just wanted to add out there. But anyway, guys, we'll see you later. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. 
Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.